0: Good morning. morning. It is great to be here today. I hope you have your Bible with you and you get it and you open to the book of Luke. Luke, um, we'll begin reading at the beginning of that chapter, Luke chapter 1. Um, Also read from Matthew chapter 5 a little bit um, (coughs) later on, Luke chapter 1 and Matthew 5. We continue to um, talk about um, what raising the bar means and um, raising the bar in our personal life, will raise um, the bar in the life of our church and in the life of our world. Personal prayer is um, probably um, the strongest and most fundamental aspect of the Christian faith. Um, Your prayer life says um, so much about who we are as Christians, and um, we cannot expect um, to raise the bar in our spiritual growth and um, the growth of our church and in the meaning of life, if we don't raise the bar in our prayer life, um, we cannot expect growth without time in prayer. So um, Luke, the beginning of, um, the beginning of um, that chapter, Luke chapter 11, at the beginning of the chapter. One day Jesus um, was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose one of you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend? Lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother. The door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless um, audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you. For anyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake and said, or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, even though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word, and I just pray today that you will use it. Father, um, would we go back to the very basics of um, our Christian life? Father, would we go back to the foundation of um, who we are? And Father, um, what it means to have a relationship with our Heavenly Father? Father, would we um, just, again, grasp the importance of prayer? And, Father, um, maybe today from a a different perspective, Father, um, look at um, uh, 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 verses that we know well. Father, um, some have have memorized these verses, but, Father, at times I think even in that process we fail to to see um, the the whole truth. Father, help us to see the whole truth. I just love you and trust you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. You know... In this parable um and, and in many parables um Jesus uses practical illustrations to make points i I love it um when he uses um a lot of the parables because sometimes to me that they they're the clearest um implication of what the truth he's trying to say is, and so um this parable was was um, given, related to the issue of prayer. Jesus had been praying um, in a certain place. It doesn't tell us where, but it says he's been praying. And um, when he ceased praying, one of his disciples came to him and simply said, Lord, teach us to pray. He says, Lord, teach us to pray also as John taught his disciples. And in answering that request, Jesus does at least three things. He answers um, some of the the how to pray, he answers some of the what to pray. And then um, the, then he tells a parable after that. He tells a parable after that to kind of um, wrap it all up and ultimately um, elaborating on what is um, the, the parable about and why does he do it. And when you get to verses 5, 6, 7, and 8, um, he, he talks about that. I believe the parable is intended to, um, to remind us of what the single most important aspect of prayer is. I think um, this story—it's um, it, you know—if you read Matthew five, um, it's a little bit longer uh, version of, of what we would call the model prayer, the Lord's prayer. But um, it is in, in Luke's account that Luke's hones in on what is the most important part of prayer, and I think it's simply persistence in prayer. I think at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to, and that—that's what he says. You know, now, now Jesus has been praying. Um, in a certain place for a time, and um, just just witnessing that creates the desire in his followers to know more about prayer. And um, when you go back and you study the life of Jesus and all the you know, the fact is that Jesus was a person of prayer. Jesus was a, the, the the New Testament abounds in um, illustrations of that and, and and factual accounts of that. I mean. Just and I, I could literally preach a sermon on every one of these the, these topics, but I mean, you know, in in the first chapter of Matthew, it talks um, where Jesus got up early in the morning, and went to a solitary place to pray. I mean, so I mean, there, there's a whole lesson there that Jesus, by example, tells us about the importance of praying first thing in the morning, the the, the importance of setting aside a time before the world interferes um, with life, and, and spending time with um. Him in prayer, and yet you know, the, the Scriptures tells us and shows us that often Jesus um, retired to the wilderness for the sole purpose of praying, to, to be alone, to spend time with His Heavenly Father and have conversation with Him. You know, right before um, Jesus um, decides who the disciples are going to be and, and, and that selection process um, takes place, we see where Jesus spent the entire night praying about that decision. And then in, Luke, in John 17, John 17 is probably the, the single longest prayer that we have of Jesus. And, and in that prayer, Jesus prays for his disciples. He prays for those that are with him at that time, for, for the apostles that are with him. And, and he prays that God would protect them and protect what they've been taught and, and the words they've been given and that they will um, um, continue to share those words. And as that prayer continues... Um, it gets to the point where then Jesus not only prays for those disciples, he prays for you and I. And um, that part of the prayer sometimes we're familiar with because it's the occasion where Jesus prayed for all that would come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior at some point in the future. He was praying for for our generation and the next generation that will know Jesus Christ, those that would accept the truth that um, he had taught and entrusted to his current disciples, those that would would later become followers of Jesus Christ. It's, It's a beautiful prayer in the 17th chapter of John. And, and, and then we have um, Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. We have Jesus praying in the midst of crises and in the midst of pain. In the midst, Jesus knows what's about to happen, and, and Jesus goes to the Father in the Garden and just pours his heart out um, to, to the Father. And then we have Jesus praying on the cross. We have Jesus praying on the cross where he literally is in pain and he's suffering the crucifixion and he goes back to the Father. And so, by example, Jesus tells us that prayer is important and that prayer is important in all aspects of our life, not just on certain occasions and on a specific days. He says it doesn't matter whether you have to make decisions. It doesn't matter whether you've made decisions or are awaiting the outcome. He says it doesn't matter if you're in the midst of horrible circumstance. It doesn't matter if you're in the midst of physical pain. You know, it doesn't matter whether you're concerned about your family and your neighbors and your community. He says in every one of those situations, prayer is important because in all of those situations, Jesus spends time in prayer. And so literally his disciples have watched him pray. And the, the, the very fact that Jesus is a praying person has had an impact on his disciples. And as Jesus um, shows us that he prayed often and he prayed regularly and he prayed in different situations and, 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 and in all circumstances, prayer was important to Jesus. And so our passage starts out with one of his disciples of that day asking him, Jesus, teach us how to pray. Jesus, tell us more. Now, we know from the context that this is one of the Jewish disciples that asked. So the disciple knew about prayer, at least in, in some aspects he knew about prayer, but he also knew that that Jesus had much more to teach them about prayer. I think that's where most of us find ourselves today. It, it always um, is interesting when I talk to people, people, I just don't know how to pray, preacher. I, I, you know, I, I can't pray in public. I can't look, um, you know. All of you, if you're here today and you're a Christian, you know how to pray. That's right. If you're here today and you're a Christian, you know how to pray because you cannot become a Christian if you've never prayed. Because until you reach the point in life that you realize that you're a sinner and you need a Savior, and you not literally have to get on your knees, but get on your knees and say, Father, I'm a sinner. I can't save myself. I need the blood that Jesus Christ shed on the cross of Calvary to wash away my sins as the payment for my sins. I'm seeking forgiveness and receive that forgiveness. You can't be a Christian. So at some level, every Christian knows how to pray because you've already prayed. Now, is there much more that we can learn? Absolutely. That's where um, his disciples were on that day. And so they said, you know, and, and so... You know, that, that said, Jesus responds to their requests. You know, some people would call it the large prayer. Some call it the model prayer. If you go to Matthew in the fifth chapter, while Jesus is teaching the multitudes and after he um, gives the beatitudes, you, you find the same prayer. And it, it's it's a little different, but but it's it's the same prayer that's, that's being recorded. It's the same pattern. Look, it is a pattern. It is not a prayer to be memorized. Okay? Now, I don't have a problem if you memorize it. If that makes you happy, that's okay. But that was not Jesus' intent. That was not Jesus' purpose is that you would remember this prayer and, and every time you want to talk to God, recite it. Because if that's the case and you believe that, then I've just got to ask you a couple other questions. Um, when Jesus prays in the Garden of Gethsemane, do you remember that one? Can you quote that one? When Jesus was on the cross, can you read? In the 17th chapter of John, in the longest prayer, we, can you quote that one? I mean, if you think that Jesus prayed just so that you could memorize his words, then you better go back to his word, and you better memorize every one of them. That's not his point, and that's not his point in this case. Jesus is teaching us an example. Jesus is giving us a model to follow. He's saying these are some of the things that are important. This, then, is how you should pray. That's what Jesus is saying here, and so... The how starts off in in the greatest way for a country boy like me (laughs) because y'all know me. I'm not real smart. But what Jesus says is, is that prayer doesn't have to be complicated, that prayer is simple. Matter of fact, he goes on to say, let me just tell you what it's not. He says, I'll tell you some of what it is, but what it's not is being able to stand up in front of a large crowd of people and use big words and pray long prayers and impress the people that are in the room. Because he says, if that's what you're doing, you have probably accomplished your goal. You have impressed those that surrounded you, but you've not impressed your Father in heaven. Matter of fact, your Father in heaven probably wasn't even bothering to listen to you. Because that's not what prayer is about. And, and so he gives us that very contrast from the very beginning that, that it's not about how long you pray, And it, it, the, the point is that those that have a relationship with the Father don't always need to have a long prayer. You know, and so I thought about that. And how do we translate that into to everyday life? Well, I have the honor and the privilege of getting in trouble this morning, okay? Because today I have been married to, to the love of my life, my wonderful wife, for 40 years. For 40 years. And so I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for that. Um, m- 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 Ms. Daly, um, I promised when we got married, um, she was the better half. Um, I hope that over the last 40 years, she's trained me well enough that at least now I'm an equal half. But, you know, that's still questionable, folks. But, um, I I mean, Miss Dolly, um, I love you, and I'm grateful for the last 40 years. Um, The Lord has been kind and gracious in so many ways. But as I thought about that, we've got a 40-year relationship. We've got a 40-year relationship, so a lot of times it doesn't take a lot of words. You know, when I get ready to go out the house in the morning... I can simply swing by the chair that she's sitting in and tell her, um, I love you, and head out the door. And you, she understood that. I didn't have to have a long conversation and go into four pages about, you know, I love you for this and I love you for that. Now, now sometimes that's nice, okay, guys, it's okay. But you know what? That, it's okay. I, I, I mean, sometimes that's all it takes. I mean, I think sometimes the, the reality is God would be grateful if we just went out the door in the morning and say, God, just want to let you know I'm grateful for another day. Thank you that I woke up. I mean, just that we had some communication with him to let him know that, hey, we we still enjoy that, we still appreciate who he is and what he's done for us. I think sometimes we fail on the simplest of things. And I mean, you know, when when you talk to God and listen to God on a daily basis, it doesn't always have to be the longest conversation in town. And there's all kind of examples of that, folks. I mean, a lot of times when I'm on my way home from somewhere, I will simply call the house and say, hey, I'm on the way home. Do you need something from John's? Okay, I mean, that's not a long conversation, but it does the job. And I mean, sometimes, yeah, I need milk. I need bread. Yeah, yeah. But it doesn't mean we've got to talk on the phone. for I, There's something. And, but you know what? It does a lot of other things. It, it says that, hey, I'm on the way home, but I'm thinking about you. Is there anything I can bring? I, I mean, it doesn't. And so with God, folks, I mean, I, why do we think the relationship with him in, in many respects is different? Don't you think he wants to know that um, we're thinking, Father, what is it today that I could do for you? Is there something that I need to stop? and? T-? But we we don't do that often, folks. And, and so when Jesus talks about prayer, I mean, he's talking about someone that, that look he tells us much about the issue of prayer. I mean, he, he tells us um, about the name, you know, because in in Luke's version, he says, "Hallow be your name to, to, to start the conversation off, you know, and, and so it is that way. In Matthew, um, he says, um, our Father in heaven, you know, we're acknowledging who he is. We're acknowledging his character, his person, his position, his power, and all of that one time or another we've probably all been called by a different name <laughs> sometimes when you call them names you really don't like it because you know it's not a good thing <laughs> and sometimes when you're called by certain names you're really grateful because those are special names so how you address god is important and, and so you know when jesus gives the model jesus gives it is important now, I, I and in my own life you know there's times if i want something um. With 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 wonderful Miss Dolly, if I want something, I might tone it a little different. I might phrase it a little different. If I'm just carrying on, I might just say it. I mean, yeah. I think sometimes when we go to God in the very beginning, um, we forget that the way we approach, that the second we ha- we open our mouth, He knows whether we're angry, whether we're grateful. He, he, he knows something about, you know, the, the same tone that we approach it. Almost every person I know um, has some name for use. And most of us as parents, I mean, at some point, you ever used all of your child's name? <laughs> that's normally not a good thing. That, that's, that's right. I, I mean, the second the whole name comes out, that's generally an indication that things are not well. Well, I wonder when we talk to God, what name do we use? Well, I, I mean, how, you know, I mean, so, sometimes the the, the second it, it comes out, I mean, and when we approach God, that initial contact sets the stage for the conversation. He, he, he knows in those uh, initial moments, I mean, are we grateful or are we greedy? Are we coming because we want to just be, be grateful that he's God and he's given us another day? And, and are we coming because we want something? I mean, how you start the conversation does matter, folks. I mean, and and so prayer should begin with the recognition of who we're talking to and His character and His power and His love and His mercy and His grace. And sometimes we forget that. Sometimes we forget who we're talking to. And and, and then immediately following that, he in Luke, it says, in Matthew, it says, to your kingdom come, your will be done. Pretty straightforward verse, your kingdom come, you you know, we're expressing that it's God's kingdom, not our kingdom. And and, yeah, Brother Johnny was telling me, telling me this week, um, they had the the Grammys on on, on TV and I didn't watch them, so I can't tell you who won, but they had the Grammys on TV this week and and um one of the the performers for the Grammys, um, his mother, um, there was a follow-up article. Um, the, that week uh, about him and his performance. And, 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 his, and, and I paraphrase, but, but this is basically what, 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 his, what his mother said uh, about his performance in, in, in life. She says, God, whatever my son does that is right and good and brings glory to you, make it successful. Everything he does that's not part of your will for his life, make it fail miserably. I said, wow. that's I mean, how many of us? willing to pray that way for our kids god whatever they're doing that brings you glory i hope it is successful and if they're doing something they didn't bring in you glory i hope it fails miserably some of us be scared to pray that in our own life (laughs) much less that for our kids but but i thought that was a powerful statement of, of this mother's desire for the best for her son and for her love for who god was you know She said, that's all I want, God. I I want in my son's life, I want you to get the glory. And if he's doing things that doesn't bring glory to you, he says, just don't let them happen. And and, and so this would have been somebody we would have said was was famous and, and, you know, performing at the Grammys. I mean, And and then we talk about in in our own life um, the the many ways that we're willing to pray. I, I just, I don't know if sometimes as a parent we're bold enough to pray that. So I just challenge all of you this morning, think about um, what you prayed for your kids. You know, something, God, just protect them. God, they're in a bind. Would you get them out of this situation? God, but you know what? Maybe that's the whole problem. Maybe they're in a bind because we've been praying that God would get them out of a bind, and what we need to be praying is, God, if what they're doing is not in your will, make them miserable. Make it just lousy. But if, They will do your will, then make them successful. Let everything prosper. How we pray is important, folks. And it's important that we um, take it home in our lives. You know, he he goes on in the passage and and talks about the obvious things. He talks about the physical necessities, you know. But one thing I love in in Scripture, and as I think about it in it applies to prayer. It applies to our life. When we talk about physical necessities, how often does it say pray for everything you're going to need for the rest of your life? I mean, that's the rare occurrence, folks. Most times it says pray daily for what you need that day. When, when God sent manna down from heaven to his people in the wilderness, and he sent it in one-month supplies, you went to the drugstore and you got a month, no. You got that day's supply unless it was Saturday. Then you could pick enough up for Saturday and Sunday. You trusted that the next day God was going to provide for you. Well, let me just tell you, in our prayer life, sometimes we, you know, God, will you take care of this and make sure that I can retire 20 years from now and make sure, and he's saying, look, I got it. I know what you need. Just worry about today. Pray for today's strength. Pray for today's needs, and I will meet those needs. And he continues right on and talks about our spiritual needs. He talks about our spiritual needs, and isn't it interesting of all the spiritual needs that he could talk about, forgiveness is always at the top of the list. Because, see, he knows who we are. He knows that we're sinners. He knows that we're going to continue to sin, and because of that, we constantly need his forgiveness. Now, Jesus has paid the price Our sins have been forgiven. All of our sins have been forgiven. All of our current sinning has been forgiven. And all of our future sinning has been paid for. When Jesus died on the cross, he covered it all. Once and for all, he's the perfect sacrifice for all our sins. But the Father still expects us to come back and seek forgiveness on a daily basis in our spiritual life so that he can bless us and be part. Jesus says that we're to love God with all of our being, with all of who we are, that on a daily basis that we should love him with all of our heart and our soul and our strength and our mind. And you know that's. And the reason for that is, and it ties back into who God is because God is a God of love. And when we remember that God forgives us, and I think when we don't ask for forgiveness on a daily basis, we're, we're taking that for granted. And when you take forgiveness for granted, you forget how much God loves you. Because the way you know how much God loves you is that His Son died for you so that you could have that forgiveness. And so when every day you say, Father, forgive me for my sins, you're being reminded of how much your God loves you. And how, knowing how much your God loves you, can it not change the way we live life? And so he tells us on a daily basis, he talks about protection and deliverance in both of these passages. And let me just tell you, your husband, your wife, your boss, your parents, your children, they are not the enemy. Did you hear me? Sometimes I think we think the spouse is the enemy, the boss is the enemy, the teacher at school is... No. He doesn't say pray for any of those things. He says pray for protection from your enemy. And your enemy is Satan, okay? The enemy is not that other person. Now, does Satan sometimes use other persons to push your button and to ring your bell? Absolutely. But you know what? They're just an instrument in the course. Satan is the enemy. And so when he says protect us from the enemy, protect us from temptation, he's not talking about some person. He's talking about the evil one. He's talking about And So we need to make sure that we understand who we need protection from. You know, and so in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus um, charges all of um, his followers with a prayer emphasizing forgiveness. But on this occasion, on this occasion, he doesn't stop there. On this occasion, we, we, we read those things about the, uh, the generalities of prayer and why we pray and how to pray and what we pray for. But then, then he wraps it all back up and he says, Look, let me tell you a story. He says companies come over, and when company came over, you didn't have what they needed because the issue that he asked for three loaves of bread is, is, is insignificant. It doesn't matter if he went to a friend's house at midnight and says, hey, I, I need um, wash rags and towels and a bar of soap. You know, it doesn't matter if he went over at midnight and says, look, I got a guest come over and his car's broken. I need to borrow your car. The, The issue is not what he came for. The issue is that he had an unexpected guest and he didn't have what he needed to meet the needs of that guest. So he goes over to his friend's house and says, look, I need some help. And he says, and you woke the friend up in the middle of the night and he wasn't real happy. And so when you woke him up, he didn't come out and help you because he was your friend. He came out and helped you because you woke him up in the middle of the night and you weren't going to let him go back to sleep until he met your need. And he says, for that reason, he's going to meet your need. Not because he's your friend, he's going to meet your needs because you woke him up in the middle of the night and he knows you're not leaving until you um, get it done. And that That's a different perspective. I think it is the parable is simple, but the parable is important. And Jesus is illustrating the importance of persistence in praying. Persistence is... In praying. I mean, and then he goes on to apply it. He goes on to apply it. And he doesn't just tell you the story. He says, ask, seek, knock. Ask that there's a sequence to that, folks. Ask, seek, knocks. And he says, if you ask, seek, and knock, you will receive fine and have doors open. He doesn't say they might open the door. He says, no. He says, if you ask, seek, and knock, he says, they're going to open the door. He says, if you ask, you're going to receive. He says, if you search for it, you're going to find. He says, when you do it, he said, it's going to happen. And the emphasis in this passage is it's not like you knock and then walk away from the door. It says, no, you keep on asking, you keep on seeking, you keep on knocking until you get a response. He said, it's a continued process. It's not a one-time shot. Failure to persist in prayer I believe is the number one reason we do not have answers to our prayers, in my life too. Failure to persist in prayer is the reason. Look, um, and and I debated on on how that all shakes out because, um, and then he he, look, he doesn't leave it there. He, He goes on and says, "Look, let me put it in simple terms for you folks." He says if you go to a father and he says the son comes to him and he says you know he asking for bread he's not going to give him a stone he said he's if you ask for one thing he's not going to give you a snake he said he's not going to give you a scorpion he's going to give you good things he said he's going to give you good things and then he says then how much more will our heavenly father give us which is good If an earthly father, though evil, knows how to give good gifts to their children, how much more will your heavenly father give the spirit to those who ask? Because he says, he says, I know what you need. And if you're filled with the spirit, everything else will work out. So he says, when you come to me, he says, I already know what you need. and I'm going to meet that need. It's a promise that's made um, by, by, by Jesus on multiple occasions that that it's going to happen and jesus to me seems to be saying that if persistence with a friend will be fruitful how much more will persistence with your heavenly father bear fruit he says if persistence with a friend will get results how much more will persistence with your heavenly father produce results you know, and so at the end of the day, he says, look, you do know how to pray. You know, he says, as disciples, he says, you, you know how to pray and you know some of the right things. What he says is, do you really know how to pray? Because on one hand, he says, yes, you know how to pray. You, you've been doing that. But, but then at the end, he says, basically, he says, you don't know how to pray until you pray persistently he says even if you've got the right words and said the right things and done that he says if you don't stick with it he says you don't really understand prayer he says until you get the how and the how is the persistence you know so jesus teaches us more than once jesus teaches the same parable in the in the the parable of the persistent woman i mean it's it's the same you know and, and so we have to remember that learn you know he says, understand your heavenly father knows what good gifts you need. And he says, because of that, that should motivate us to ask persistently. So, how are we doing? So, so just honestly, how are we doing? I just, you know, in, in our staff meetings, I, I talked about the fact that, you know, a few months down the road, I'd, I'd be talking about the issue of prayer and. And like I said, I I could preach on prayer every week for months. And, you know, and so Brother Donnie sent me a quote, quote a couple of weeks ago. And I just want you to think about this one for a minute. You ready? Got your thinking hats on? If God answered right now, right now while we're in here, if God answered right now in one fell swoop, every prayer you prayed last week, How many people would be in the kingdom at the end of the service? You know, every Sunday at the end of the service, we have a time of invitation. People come down here and they can accept Jesus. If every person that you prayed for their salvation this past week, if every person, I mean, you know, there's 150 of y'all out there, so if you only prayed for one person, I mean, that means odds are, Even a few of you might have prayed for the same. We'd have at least 100 people up here. At least we'd be headed in the right direction. So who are you praying for? You know, but Johnny knew that I was going to preach on prayer, so he wasn't going to be outdone. He sent me a quote, too. If everyone gave and served exactly like you, would our church be healthy and empowered, or would it be weak and lifeless? Man, <laughs> I I just when we talk about the power of prayer, those are frightening statements, folks. You yeah, know, and, and brother Johnny, but I actually, brother Johnny, but I still got my little card. Brother Johnny gave y'all these cards about um, oh, it's probably been eight weeks ago. Little cards, the Second Corinthians seven fourteen, every day at seven fourteen. The only way I remember to pray at 714 is I actually have the alarm on my phone set so it goes off at 714 every day so I remember to pray so I remember to pray for our leaders our government our country you know I prayer is the most fundamental element of the Christian faith we cannot raise the bar We cannot expect to grow in faith. We cannot expect to grow in mercy and and without time and prayer. It just, it it cannot happen. It's not enough for us to talk about God. We need to talk to God. We need to hear from God. I think a lot of times in evangelism classes, and I'm not encouraging you to quit um, telling people about Jesus, but sometimes I think we've been taught, well, if you just talk about Jesus and you keep telling, look, you can talk about Jesus all you want. You better talk with Jesus. Because see, if you're not talking with Jesus, you're probably not going to do any good talking about him. But if you're talking with Jesus, <laughs> the interesting point is he will tell you who to talk to about Jesus. Yeah. You know, in our men's meeting Wednesday, God just hit me like a sledgehammer and, was just that reminder because I debated on you know exactly where I go when I talk about raising the bar on prayer and in our men's meeting we've been talking about Nehemiah and one of the things that came up in our conversation the other night was that Nehemiah had been praying for a hundred praying and fasting for a hundred and twenty days before anything happened and I thought about this morning's message and the persistence in prayer and If everything you ever wanted God to do, God wouldn't respond until you'd prayed about it for 120 days, how many things would God have done in your life? God, please don't answer that because um, it'd be embarrassing for all of us. But that's the reality, folks. If our church is going to be all that our church can be, if you're going to be all you can be as a Christian, And a follower of Jesus Christ, it must start with our persistence in our prayer life. I challenge all of you. I mean, everybody, I'd be just shocked. I'd be shocked to know that there's somebody in here that doesn't know three people that they don't think are saved. But I'd also be equally shocked to know that every person in here, um, I'd be shocked to know that the majority of the people in here um, every day was praying by name for those three people. So here's my question. What would happen if for the next 120 days you picked three people, five people, and started praying for them by name? You know some husband and wife that are struggling? What if for the next 120 days, every day, you prayed for them specifically? Sometimes you know specific situations that are going on. You can pray specifically for that. How many of you know somebody that's sick? What if in the next 120 days, every day, you prayed for that person? I am convinced somewhere in that process, we would start to see God move in ways that we've not seen God move. Because God's people, (laughs) 714, have done what God has called them to do. It doesn't say if the rest of the world. He says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways and repent, I will heal their land. Who are you praying for? And how persistent are you being? You know... I am grateful. I found out at the end of the in-between services that um, at 8.30 every morning we in room A7, we've got a group that pray. They pray for um, our church. They pray for the 10.30 service, 8.30 every Sunday morning. At 10.30, all of those that come to the 8 o'clock service that won't in um, A7 can pray for the 10.30 service and pray for our church. This morning at 8.30, we had 10 people we had 10 people here at 8.30 praying. Now, look, I'm not telling you that God's called every one of you to be here at 8.30 or 10.30 and come pray. I, I'm not, But it's one more opportunity that God has given you. I, I mean, I'm just chunking it out there. I mean, there's one more opportunity. You know, the after is coming up. It'll be here in a month. It'll be here in three weeks. I mean, it'll be here before you know it. You know, who is it that you've been praying for for the last month? Because you've known it's been coming. And they're going to pray for for the next month that that person would show up or that that person would accept your invite to be here and that that person would make a decision about Jesus Christ as a result of it. What are we praying for? I'm not going to pass out little cards. I thought about it this morning, but does anybody still have Brother Johnny's little card from two months ago? One or two? Three? You know, so I I wasn't sure how much good I'd accomplish if I passed out cards. But I'm here to tell you, folks, that's what you need. All of us need to have a little card that's in our pocket, that's on our bulletin board, that has three or four names on it, three or four situations on it, that we make the commitment that we're going to be persistent and pray about, regardless of what it is. When we pray, God responds. Heavenly Father, I love you and I trust you. And, Father, I thank you for your word. Father, help us be a people of prayer. Father, help us not to just talk um, about prayer. Father, help us not um, just realize the importance of it. But, Father, help us to be a people that understand what you told your disciples that day. And, Father, as they asked you, how should we pray, what should we do? He said, the thing that you drilled home more than anything else was be consistent, be persistent, continue to continue to ask, continue to seek, continue to knock. For if you do those things, Father, you've promised that we'll receive, we'll find, and doors will be open. Father, um, what are we waiting on? We know what you've told us. Father, just give us the courage to do it. I love you and I trust you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, maybe you're here today and, you know, you just showed up and God's spoken to you. And you realize that, you know, I've not been persistent in my prayer life. Maybe you need to come talk to him about it. Maybe you need to settle it where you're at. Maybe you just need to make the commitment to be persistent in prayer. Maybe you realize today that you've never asked the first prayer. You've never asked Jesus Christ to forgive your sins. You've never come and confessed that you're a sinner and that you need a Savior and that you need the blood that Jesus shed on the cross of Calvary as payment for your sins to wash them away. Come, seek forgiveness. He offers forgiveness. He promises that those who will confess with their mouth shall be saved. Don't miss the opportunity. Maybe you're here today and you just know that You've not been faithful to the local church and you need to come be part of a church that's going to preach the word of God and desires to make a difference in our community. If God's calling you to come be part of the family, come, join fellowship. Whatever God calls you to do, you need to do it now as we stand.